0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Here on Employment Matters, we bring you updates from all around the world as we dial in our local ELA lawyers. These good folks practice on the ground in jurisdictions all around the globe, working daily to help their clients move through these difficult times. Today, we're excited to invite Jenny Sin, partner at Wong Partnership in Singapore. We also have a special announcement. Moving forward, we now have a new moderator that will be leading many of our programs in the Asia-Pacific region. I'm excited to welcome Raymond Lowe, partner at Shern Delamore & Company in Malaysia. Raymond, thanks so much for joining the Global Podcast team. The program is now yours.
1: Thank you, Peter. It is my pleasure to join the ERA Podcast team. I think it's an amazing team and that there's many interesting podcasts ahead. Today, Jenny is going to share with us some developments on COVID vaccinations at the workplace in the Singapore context. Welcome to the program, Jenny. How are you doing today?
0: Hi, Raymond, and hi, everybody listening in. Thank you for having me on the program. I'm doing very well. Hope you're fine as well.
1: We are doing good here, and we are very honored to have you on this particular podcast. Now, before we move to the topic at hand, would you like to share with us something about you and your practice?
0: Right, thank you. I'm the Joint Head of the Employment Practice at Wong Partnership. I'm also a partner in the Commercial and Corporate Disputes Practice Group. And in this context, we handle the entire spectrum of employment-related matters from the beginning, like the drafting stages of policies and contracts, negotiations on incentive plans, et cetera, all the way to the end, where you're looking at potential litigation, perhaps investigations Mm. in respect Mm. of employee misconduct.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, Jenny, I would like to first start by asking you about the current COVID landscape in Singapore. And we do know that to date, Singapore's vaccination rate is one of the highest in Asia. We are looking at almost Mm. 48% fully vaccinated, 23% partially vaccinated. Now, I've read CNN's special report recently on 17th of July Mm -hmm. that Singapore has a very different approach compared to the other countries as to how to live with covid as opposed to achieving a zero COVID approach. Would you like to tell us something about, number one, the COVID situation in Singapore? And secondly, the Singapore approach and the roadmap to the new normal?
0: Right. Thank you, Raymond. The Singapore approach towards the new normal really is trying to live with COVID because we appreciate, I think, to some extent that it cannot be totally eradicated. So in this context, the strategy would be vaccination, vaccination being key. And that's been announced since I think middle of this year, first announced by our Prime Minister during one of his speeches on the 31st of May. And then that's how we've been progressing. Right now, from the vaccination perspective, things are looking good. We've got a high number of fully vaccinated. The milestone that we're hoping to achieve would be two-thirds of the population fully vaccinated around our National Day, which is on the 9th of August.
1: Now, talking about vaccination, does the Singapore government currently mandate vaccination in Singapore?
0: Yeah, vaccination is still pretty much a voluntary exercise. There's no ability to compel, whether via law or otherwise, vaccinations.
1: Mm. And in view of the fact that the government does not mandate vaccination in Singapore, can Singapore employers require employees to vaccinate?
0: That's a very interesting question, which a lot of clients have actually asked. So very helpfully, on 2nd of July this year, the tripartite partners, which comprise of the Ministry of Manpower, Singapore National Employers Federation, and the National Trade Union's Congress, had issued an advisory on COVID-19 vaccinations at the workplace. So there is now currently some form of instructive messaging in that sense as to what employers can or cannot do.
1: Yes. And in Singapore, I understand that there's this term called higher risk employment setting. Would you care to elaborate a bit more about this?
0: Okay, this particular phrase actually was set out in this advisory that I mentioned before. So, to give a little bit of context, the advisory sets out what employers should do, perhaps, in terms of the general workplace, as well as in terms of this particular set of workplaces they call the higher risk employment setting. So, in essence, a higher risk employment setting refers to instances where the employment setting exposes the employee to a higher risk of COVID-19 infection compared to the general employment setting. The advisory itself puts out a table which shows what kind of key considerations are being considered and they also put out examples of cases or examples of job settings which would fall within higher risk employment setting. This would generally, I think, be the company's own onus, of course, to prove that it falls within that setting.
1: And this advisory that you've been describing, Jenny, does it Mm -hmm. have any force of law? Are there any penalties if one were to fail to comply?
0: No, it does not have a force of law. It's really merely instructive to that extent, but it's actually quite helpful. So we would recommend that employers actually Mm. look at that and perhaps consider setting out a COVID vaccination policy for their own workforce to try and implement the COVID vaccination sort of thinking within that company.
1: Well, I want to ask you about one particular area, which is quite important. Does the advisory provide any guidance about employees who are not able to receive vaccination for either medical reasons or even religious reasons?
0: Right. I think we have to go back to the two categories that I spoke of, the general employment Mm -hmm. setting as well as the higher risk employment setting. So if you are looking at the general employment setting, essentially what the advisory states is that employers should encourage and take steps to perhaps encourage, strongly encourage and facilitate their employees to get vaccinated. If the employee refuses, really, they should not be penalized if they refuse. But if you're looking at the Mm. higher risk employment setting, the advisory then permits employers to make vaccination part of the company policy. So in that context, right, if you're looking at the general employment settings, employees who do not vaccinate, regardless of the reasons, should not be treated any differently. Pausing here, it's important to note that obviously if you treat someone differently, then you've got potential discrimination issues at the workplace. And that, again, is something that should not be done because quite apart from it not being you know, on, as the case were, it's also prohibited under the tripartite guidelines for fair employment practices. Mm. So that is the general work setting, right? If we were to look at the higher risk employment settings, I mentioned that employers in those settings are able to require employees to vaccinate. However, the advisory does say the employees who have a proper reason for not vaccinating must be exempted from the requirement to vaccinate. And to reduce the risk of infection at the workplace, employers in those work settings can decide whether or not to redeploy the employees. There are also other things that they can consider doing and that's what it is in terms of distinguishing between normal and higher risk employment settings.
1: I see. Now, Jenny, you mentioned about the risk of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Well, essentially, we are looking at two competing elements here. One is the employee's rights. On the other hand, you have this concept called the duty to provide a safe system yeah. at the workplace. Now, how do you reconcile that in this context? You know, What are the legal risks and liabilities that employers should be aware of?
0: Right, thank you. That tension is always there. It has been something that people have been grappling with, especially now. Given that the advisory is here, that's helpful to some extent because you know that if you fall within the higher risk employment setting, so to speak, then there's more basis for you to require, uh, you know, more onerous vaccination policies within your workplace. Employers obviously still have the obligation to ensure a safe workplace and that is the case even for the general employment setting. In terms of how people should sort of balance the two Vaccination is not the only precautionary step that employers can take. So in Singapore, there are safe management measures that have been imposed on all employers at all workplaces. Actually, these safe management measures have been imposed in terms of everything we do, whether we go to the restaurants, whether we go to the parks, etc. So employers should make sure that they continue to observe these safe management measures at workplaces this includes wearing of masks, et cetera. And this would go some ways to ensuring that employers in the general employment setting meet that obligation to provide a safe workplace, right? Yes. So your BCP requirements and whatever should be tailored with that in mind. For those in the higher risk settings, of course, the thing here is that you can mandate that vaccination policy and at the same time if someone refuses without good reason you can consider what other steps can be taken to reduce the risk to your workforce including redeployment. I think here right it might be quite useful to also point out that the advisory allows employers in the higher risk setting to also make reasonable efforts to find out why employees decline vaccination, and try and address those concerns. So it's not a situation where you're saying, I'm forcing you to do this, but more a situation where I'm trying to also explain to you, suggest to you, strongly encourage you to vaccinate. But employers might want to take note, right, that if you are in the higher risk setting and the employee refuses to vaccinate, even though he or she is able to, then, like I said, you can redeploy. There are also other things that you could consider adopting. For instance, you know, if the employee does not vaccinate and there are COVID-related costs, for instance, cost of testing, cost of stay home accommodation, et cetera, if the person has to be made to stay home because of uh, infection, then some of these costs actually can be recovered through salary deductions or requiring the employee to pay directly. So that's another aspect to persuade, maybe people who are on
1: the fence. Yes. And and talking about vaccination policy, would you care to maybe highlight three most important points that employers should be aware of and the three things that they should put in the policy?
0: First of all, if you're operating in the general employment setting, your policy should sort of set out strongly why you're encouraging employees to vaccinate, right? That is the educational perspective. Explain the benefits of vaccination. One other thing I thought might be useful would be to set out there that employees should not spread inaccurate vaccination information. A lot of times, I don't know about you, but you know, you I have received WhatsApp messages, et cetera, <laughs> from people, well-meaning yes. people, telling you about how vaccination may make you magnetic, et cetera. <laughs> and all of these are perhaps not accurate, right? From that perspective, these sort of fake news can actually cause people to have concerns about vaccination. So The second point, apart from encouraging them to vaccinate, is to explain that internally at least do not spread inaccurate vaccination information. The third thing could be you want to set out incentives to employees who want to get vaccinated. Incentives could include paid time off to go for the vaccine, paid time off if the person suffers any side effects from the vaccine. I know you said three, but I think it might also be useful to set out the employer's perspective that if you're unvaccinated and you're in a general employment setting, you will not be terminated because of that. I think that's to protect the employer as well, right? Because we yeah, talked a little yeah. bit about the discrimination. And perhaps you can expect, as with all cases, that there might be issues relating to employees who dispute the vaccination program or issues arising out of that. So dispute management process could also be set up if it's not already set up in the grievance procedures that the companies have. Just one additional point to talk about the higher risk settings, because what I've mentioned would be for general employment settings and, of course, can also be adopted for the higher risk settings. But if you're in the higher risk settings, I think it's also important to add three other points. One is the rationale why the company requires vaccination. Number two is the consequences for failing to vaccinate, because we mentioned that you could redeploy, you could have cost recovery, things like that. So the consequences to the employee who is medically fit but refuses should be put in. And number three, you might also want to put in whatever forms of assistance the company will be offering to individuals who suffer from adverse complications due to this vaccination requirement.
1: Interesting. Now, we have heard of this phrase, no vaccine, no entry to the workplace. Some companies have adopted this. I just want to get your thoughts, you know, on whether this is legally permissible in Singapore and whether employees in in Singapore are, in fact, considering this.
0: I mean, I've had questions asked about this particular issue. I think if you look at it, I would now, given the advisory, assess whether the employment setting is higher risk or general. If it's general, given what's already stated, I don't think you should adopt the no vaccine, no entry policy. If it's higher risk, then that could be something that can be considered. It might also be useful to consider this other aspect. For instance, what is a higher risk setting? We talked a little bit about it just now. Just to give you an example, people who have to work in settings where it might be difficult to wear your mask, that could be considered a higher risk setting or that is a higher risk setting. High-density workplaces, for instance, construction, marine shipyards, places like this, right? Mm. If you were to imagine a large organization in the construction business Parts of their workforce, those in the construction site, would be higher risk. Parts of their workforce would not. Those in the office obviously would not. I think for those kind of employers, it might also be something that they should consider, which is to have different policies for different groups of their workforce. You know what I mean? In the sense that those in the office should not be subject to the same types of requirements.
1: I see, I see. And I suppose that would apply equally to the concept of perhaps segregating employees based on their vaccination status. For example, mm. if you have vaccinated employees, you could put them to a particular section in the office and those who are not vaccinated to a different floor. Would that view be applied as well?
0: I think the internal BCP or business continuity you know, processes that a company adopts, they can mm. still consider whatever is most appropriate for them. For the general settings, you can't redeploy. So you you might want to consider that, you know, but I don't think it's mandated and it's necessary. But ultimately, if you were to say these group of people cannot come into the office or this group of people can only sit on a certain floor, that kind of thing, if that certain floor happens to be worse off, for instance, for some reason, that person perceives that, you know, being put together in in a setting with only unvaccinated people exposes him to more risk. You could be opening yourself up to another set of challenges.
1: Yes, great. Well, any, any concluding remarks, uh, Jenny?
0: I think employers should still continue and must still continue to observe safe management measures at the workplace. As with all countries, I suppose, changes to regulations and advisories happen could be at the drop of a pin, right? Because things happen so rapidly. Mm. So they should diligently monitor these changes, which are always put up on our government websites. Given that people are genuinely concerned about vaccinations, employers should always exercise sensitivity and compassion while explaining the requirements or benefits of vaccination. In my experience, and I suppose you would find that too, often communication is the key. If it's transparent, properly explained, it's likely that it will be better received and that will in turn avoid issues of unhappiness and potential disputes.
1: Great. Well, this has been a fascinating uh, discussion. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, Jenny. Stay safe and take care.
0: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
1: If you would like to connect with Jennie please click on the bio in the description of this podcast. Also visit the ELA website at ela.law where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, and on-demand content from our online library or assess the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labour and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Raymond Lowe and thanks for listening.